The following recording is from Parramatta Christian Church. We pray that this message inspires you in your walk with Christ. ...that are visiting and are joining us today. Um, and so I do apologize uh, because we are continuing a series that we've been uh, on for the last four or five weeks. And we've been looking at this idea of serving um, and, and I guess living a life uh, of devotion to Jesus and what that might look like. And we've been talking about serving in, in particular at church and what that, what that might look like. But we've also realized that it's much broader than what you do at church. It's what you do at home. It's what you do at your workplace. It's, it's really how you live your life. And we've talked about how there can be so many wrong motivations to do good things to do charitable things, to donate your time, to volunteer, to serve uh, others. Uh, and some of those motivations are because we're trying to earn God's approval. We're trying to earn God's favor. We're trying to earn salvation because we think that if I do enough good things, good deeds, if I serve other people, if I'm kind, if I'm generous, that somehow maybe that'll get me a tick from God. And that means my future uh, uh, life in heaven is guaranteed and assured. Or we might serve for a whole bunch of uh, unhealthy reasons on a human level where we want to impress other people. We want people to think that we're amazing and wonderful and generous and kind and charitable people. And we want to we impress them. We, we, we serve because we, we're mindful of our reputation. We want people to think well of us. Or we serve because we, we feel that we are I indispensable and that the world needs us. And if we don't do whatever it is that we're doing, then everything and everyone is going to fall apart. That everyone's depending on me to do uh, whatever it is that I'm doing. And so we've looked at how if we serve out of those unhealthy reasons, then we, we, can all, we will inevitably end up frustrated, disappointed, anxious, because we'll, those things will never achieve the outcomes that we want. Or we're constantly going to be up and down from day to day. We've talked about some healthy ways to serve. And that's out of knowing who we are in Jesus. We talked about being the, the, uh, the friends of the boss, as it were. And we've talked about being the beloved bride of the king. And we've talked about being sons of the father. And, and serving out of that identity of who we are and what Jesus has done for us when he died on the cross. We've talked about serving last week. We talked about serving out of love and devotion to bring Jesus joy, to use the gifts that he's given us so we can honor him and make his name great. So maybe in light of all of that, you might be a little bit surprised uh, at the title of my message this morning. Because the title of my message this morning is Slaves. Slaves. And you might be thinking, hang on a second, isn't that going to undo everything that we've just been talking about? Isn't that just going to mess up all of this stuff that we've been trying to learn and understand about serving from a good place. We should have ended last week on a high note, thinking about Jesus and serving Him to bring Him joy and stuff. And you might be thinking, why, why would you use a word that has so many negative connotations? And that's understandable, right? Because the word slave has all of the connotations of the African slave trade and the inhumanity and the oppression and the injustice and the violence that countless people were exposed to. And, and the thousands and maybe even millions of people, even today, that are still trafficked and in slavery in one form or another. Why would I want to use that word as a concluding statement in our series on serving? Well, there's five reasons. And, and I want to spend the most time unpacking the last one. Firstly, Jesus used that word of himself. 
And so if the Son of God, the creator of the universe, can say, I came to be your slave, to be your servant, then I reckon that's good enough for followers of Jesus to use that word. A second reason is that Jesus taught a lot about life in the kingdom using stories about masters and slaves. And particularly in Matthew 24, Matthew 25, you'll see lots of different parables or stories where Jesus taught about what the kingdom is like. And they were master-slave kind of stories. And in fact, Jesus in, in, uh, in Mark chapter 10 makes this profound statement about kingdom life. And he said, if you want to be great, if you want to be first in the kingdom of God, then you need to be the slave of all. The slave of all. Profound, radical. Uh, third reason is that a lot of the New Testament writers use that word to describe themselves, slave of Christ. Paul used it in Romans 1.1, Philippians 1.1, Titus 1.1. Um, we see James uses it in James chapter 1, verse 1. Uh, Peter uses it in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. Uh, Jude uses it in Jude chapter 1, verse 1. So all of these New Testament writers, these first followers of Jesus, are very, very comfortable saying, I'm a slave of Christ. I'm a servant. I'm a doulos, is the Greek word, of Jesus Christ. Number four reason is that Paul explicitly in, in Ephesians 6, 9, is talking to masters and slaves, and he says to these masters and slaves that Jesus is master of both of them the slave and the master. And explicitly kind of teaches that. And back then when Paul wrote that, you were either a slave or you were a slave owner. There wasn't too many people in between. And what Paul is saying to these Christians that he's writing to, look, all of you, whether you own slaves or you are a slave, which kind of captures all of you, remember that you have a master, that you too are a slave. And you, because you have a master, are accountable to him. But the last reason that I want to unpack is this idea that we see in the Bible that maybe we're a little bit uncomfortable with, that really we're all slaves, whether we like it or not, whether we admit it or not, whether we realize it or not. The Bible teaches us that we're all slaves. Let me make my case. In Genesis, the Bible says that God created us to live as complete dependent beings created by the, the loving hand of God to live in, in obedience under the lordship or the mastery, if you like, of God our loving Heavenly Father. But Adam and Eve, they rejected that. They usurped the throne as it were. They, they rejected God. They rebelled against God and they turned their back and said, we don't want you to be a loving, benevolent, kind master. We would rather rule ourselves. And from that point on, the Bible says, Every human being is born into slavery. So here's a movie reference. If you're a Matrix fan like I am, in the first movie he says, all of us are born into the Matrix. We are born as slaves. We are born enslaved by sin. There is no other way to be born. So really, putting it in a nutshell, no one is born free. None of us. We're all born slaves. And, and see, ever since Adam and Eve rejected God, Humans have been on this quest, this search, to fill the void, the emptiness in their heart created when they turned their backs against God. And ever since then, we've been searching for true love, searching for meaning, searching for identity, searching for purpose, searching for significance. And we have pursued anyone and everyone and anything that will look like it will satisfy us. And the Bible says that all of those pursuits, those idols that we seek to worship and bow down to, only make us slaves. That's why I think it's profoundly interesting that Jesus in Matthew 6, when he was teaching about 
uh, seeking first the kingdom of God. Before that, he talks about that really there's only two masters that vie for our attention, God and money. And he says you'll serve one of them, whether you like it or not. You'll hate one and love the other. You will serve one and bes- or despise the other. But you can't have two masters. You can only have one. And what's interesting, two things about that. One is that Jesus makes it quite clear that really the choice we have is who we will serve, not whether we will serve. The second profound thing about Jesus' statement is that he says that God and money are the two options. And how profound that is for us who live in the West, I think who experience firsthand what it is like to be a slave of money, to have money as our master. How many of you have spent time away from your family because you're trying to please the master money? Just trying to get that a little bit more. How many of you have taken on work that crushes your physical health in the name of just getting that little bit more to get that little better house or the better car or the nicer holiday? And that's what Jesus said slavery to money looks like. It offers you power. It offers you control. It offers you comfort. It offers you all these things. But in the end, it just makes you a slave. And you choose and you do things for the sake of getting that next job or getting that next paycheck or getting that next better financial outcome. Some of you stay up late looking at your Bitcoin or your investment portfolio. Some of you stressed about do you have enough money in your super account. All of those things are because we're trying to somehow gain control of our lives and we've given power to money. So we're kind of all slaves. And uh, the guy that wrote the book that we've been working from, John Hindley, he says this, we are free to choose who or what we serve, but we are not free to choose whether we will serve. And that might sound very familiar for some of us older people who remember Bob Dylan from many, many years ago saying, whether it's the devil or it's the Lord, you've got to serve somebody. Everyone has to serve somebody. So the question becomes then, who's your master? Who are you going to serve? Who will you give over control of your life to? Who will you surrender to? Who will you submit to? Because the answer to that question will have profound implications. And maybe for you, that master is religion. And maybe you've been trying and trying to appease that idol of this concept you have of this God who's angry, who's sitting in judgment and and is demanding you to be a perfect person. And you're trying and you're trying and you, you do your best, but you know you fail over and over again, even to live up to your best standards, let alone God's best standards. Or maybe it's your own self, your ego, that you just serve and serve, and, and all it does is make you more and more arrogant and more and more selfish and more and more self-obsessed. Or maybe it's money or fame or power or reputation or whatever it might be. Or have you bowed the knee to Jesus? Well, I want to conclude our series by going back to the passage, Matthew chapter 11, where we started this journey. And I want to draw your attention to four, I hope, encouraging things that will help you as you think about serving moving forward and how you're living your life. And this is found in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to, uh, to 30. Jesus says, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Four quick thoughts. Firstly, two invitations and two promises. Firstly, an invitation that Jesus gives for us to change masters. He says, 
come to me. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened. Come to me. And so this morning, I want to give you good news. You don't have to keep serving the master you've been serving. Whatever that master is, whether that's yourself, whether that's a religion, whether that's money, whether that's power, fame, or, or a wrong concept of God, or other people, or your family, or whatever it is. Whoever's been your master, Jesus says, and if you've been serving a master that's made it so heavy and wearying and burdensome for you, you don't have to serve that master for a moment longer. You can come to Jesus. And he says, come to me if you're weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. So the first is such good news for us. And you might be here and you're a Christian that's been a Christian all your life. And maybe you've gotten caught up into some of the things we've been talking about. Unhealthy ways of serving. And you're feeling weary and you're feeling burdened. And the good news for you, friend, is that you don't need to serve that master anymore. You can come to Jesus and lay your burdens down before him. The second thing that's good news, and this is the really weird, mind-bending thing, that Jesus invites us to find freedom by being his slaves. Jesus invites us to find freedom by being his slaves. Listen to what he says. He says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Now that word rest speaks of a soul and a heart that's in right relationship with God. That's not striving to earn God's favor and approval. That's not trying to do things to please or impress other people or to make myself feel good or trying to find my identity in the things that I do. It's a soul that's found rest in knowing that they are loved unconditionally by Jesus. And he says, I will give you that. I will give you true freedom. I will give you freedom that God the Father always intended for you to have when He created you in the garden all those years ago. Living in obedience to Him and knowing the greatest joy, the greatest love, the greatest peace and freedom you will ever know. You can have it in me. I will give you rest for your soul. But notice He says, there's a condition. Verse 29, take my yoke. Take my yoke on me, uh, on you and learn from me. The word yoke. So there's the rest that Jesus offers. The yoke is the condition. The yoke means, will you submit to me? Will you bow the knee to me as your master? Will you yoke yourself, bond yourself, connect to me as my servant, as my slave? Now again, we we were troubled by that, that idea of yoke. But Jesus says that's the only way to be connected to me to be yoked to me, to to submit to my lordship in your life, and you will know freedom like you've never known. You will know peace. You will know true love, true joy like you've never known. You see, how can this be? How can a slave really be free? Well, even in ancient times, in Bible times, and even in all through human history, a, a slave's freedom was directly dependent on their master. If you had a cruel master, a horrible master, you, you didn't have any rights, you didn't have, you were treated like an animal, you were oppressed, you were harassed, you were brutally treated. And many of us would be familiar with those ideas and models and uh, pictures of slavery. But also, there have been numerous accounts of slaves who had rights, who had the opportunity to earn money, to own money, to own property. There were slaves who also had other slaves that worked for them. There were slaves that were respected and feared. For instance, a slave of an emperor had a lot of power. 
It all depended on who your master was. See, and Jesus says, will you let me be your master? Will you receive my yoke? Will you connect yourself to me? Because that's when you'll find the deepest longings of your heart. See, in John chapter 8, Jesus said this. Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, this is verse 34 and 36. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. That's what I've been saying this morning. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. So you can be a slave that knows true freedom because your master will set you free like you've never known before. That's how this can be true. That's how you can be bonded to Christ, yoked to Christ, and know rest in your soul. And Jesus invites you into that experience by surrendering to Him as the Lord of your life, by trusting in the, in the work that He did on the cross. So those are the two invitations, an invitation to change masters, an invitation to find true freedom in being a slave of Christ. Here are the two promises. Jesus promises, firstly, that he will be a master like no other, a master unlike any that you've experienced. Listen to what he says. Now, take my yoke upon you and learn from, from me. Why? For I am gentle and humble in heart. Gentle and humble in heart. Those are not the words you would normally associate with a master, are they? They're the words that you would normally associate with a servant, a slave. And yet Jesus says, that's who I am. You see, as the, as the creator of the universe, uh, Hebrews 1, if you, if you want to get a glimpse of who Jesus is, read that. He's the sustainer of the whole of creation by his word. As the, as the big boss, the king of kings, the lord of lords, the ruler and supreme god of the whole universe, he came to us not as a master, demanding demanding that we cower in fear, demanding that we serve Him without any love, demanding that we just obey Him without question. Jesus could have come like that. He has every right and just wipe out everybody because we had rebelled against Him. We are in treason. And as the King over creation, over us, He had every right to do that. But the Bible says He doesn't do that. He comes as a baby in a manger. He comes as a human being. He comes like one of us. He becomes like one of us. And more than that, Philippians 2 says that he became a slave. He became a servant. And ultimately, lays down his life for us. What other master would do that? What other master would lay down their lives? Like Alvin reminded us, what other person in authority, like a judge, would lay down their life for the very people that had rebelled against him. When their justful punishment ought to be death, would say, no, let me die for you. And that's what Jesus, our master, does. You see, if you're sitting here thinking, well, how can we know that Jesus won't be like every other master that I've ever served? How can I be sure that Jesus won't one day, you know, oppress me like all those others and enslave me like all those others? How can I be sure that Jesus will actually give me true freedom? Well, because of who he is and who he says he is. And he says, I am gentle and humble in heart. And he's the master that lays down his life for us. So basically, a Christian is a slave. We might not like that. And we might be sitting there going, well, hang on, Hillary. You've been saying that we're, we're sons and we're brides of the king and we're friends with Jesus. And now you're saying we're a slave 
to Jesus? How does that work? How do we reconcile that tension? Well, here's the critical thing. It's important that we get the order right. Like I said, Jesus didn't come to recruit slaves. He came to make friends, to reconcile us to God, to make us part of God's family, to invite us to become part of the Like we read in John 8, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. But make no mistake, we are still owned by Jesus. 1 Corinthians 6 says this, Don't you know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. See, God owns us. He's redeemed us. The Bible uses language that says that God paid a ransom to rescue us and save us. And that was what Jesus did on the cross. And so by that, He owns us. But that is not our starting identity. We start with our identity as sons. We start with the identity that Jesus serves us. We start with the reality that Jesus washes our feet first. We start with the identity that Jesus is our servant master who has served us first and who continues to serve us by giving us His Holy Spirit, by praying for us, by continually cleansing us, by loving us unconditionally, by walking alongside us, by filling us with the reality of His presence. Jesus continues to serve us. And as long as we get the order right, It'll make sense. Yes, we're servants, but we are loved and we are served by Jesus first. And that's the promise. Jesus says, I will be a master like you've never known, unlike any other you've known. And you can trust me because I've not only said it, but I've demonstrated it when I died for you on the cross. The last thing is that Jesus gives another promise that your service will be unlike any other. Because Jesus goes on to say, Take my yoke on you. It's easy and my burden is light. Again, we are not free completely because Jesus said there is still a yoke for us and there is still a burden for us to carry. But Jesus said it will be like, unlike anything you've experienced, it will be easy and light. Why? Because Jesus does the heavy lifting. He's already done the heavy lifting. And so the burden he gives us, the yoke that he calls us to, is easy and it's light. You see, there's this beautiful picture in the Old Testament in Exodus chapter 21 of what the Bible calls a bond slave. A slave out of love. And this bond slave in Exodus 21, 1 to 6, has been a slave. And the master has been so generous and kind and, and provided for them. And at the end of their term of service, which is seven years, they are really free to go. And this slave loves his master so much, loves being in the master's house so much that he says, no, I don't want to leave. I want to continue being your slave because being in your house and serving you as a slave is better than anything else I would have and any other life I would have anywhere else. And the instructions in Exodus are given that this slave or the master had to take their slave to a door. <laughs> this sounds a bit graphic. Put their ear up against it and pierce it through. Now again, think about that for a moment. There's blood involved. There's timber involved. There's a wooden frame involved. There, does that remind you of anything? It's meant to. It's meant to remind you, for them anyway, of the Exodus, where the blood of the lamb was put on the door frame, reminding them that they were slaves in Egypt, but God, through the Passover, had now rescued them to now be his children. 
It was to remind them prophetically of the work of Jesus on the cross where blood would be spilled on a, on a wooden frame and displayed in front of everyone. And another significant and interesting thing is that when God gave instructions about anointing the priest, they were supposed to put blood on their ear as a sign that now they're devoting to be listening to God, their master. And that's what we are if we will submit to the lordship of Jesus. Bond slaves. Slaves out of love, out of devotion. And so we serve hard. We serve passionately. We serve sacrificially. We serve joyfully. We serve t- you know, uh, long and hard. We, we serve because we are servants of Christ. But we are happy sons that delight to serve our father, our husband, our friend, our master, Jesus Christ, who served us. And so as we conclude, I want to read you, as we've done every week in this series, I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes, and I want to read you a passage where Paul talks about this whole thing in in such a beautiful way. And I want to let the word of God just ring in your heart, and I'd just like the band to come up as well. This is Romans 6, verses 15 and following. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? By no means. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey? Whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that Though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. I'm using an example from everyday life because of your human limitations. Just as you used to offer yourselves as slaves to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness, so now... Offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness, leading to holiness. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things that you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness. And the result is eternal life for the wages of sin is death but the gift of god is eternal life in christ jesus our lord just allow the word of god to just speak into your heart thank you Before I pray and conclude this part of the service, I want to give an opportunity for anyone here that hasn't come to know Jesus, hasn't trusted in Jesus as their Lord and their Savior. And, and maybe you, something I've said today has really touched your heart and, and, and you want the freedom that I've been talking about. You want the peace and the love and the joy of, of God in your heart and you, you, your heart is longing for that. And if that's your desire, I'd love to talk with you at the end of this service. 
and I'd love to pray for you and I'd love to tell you about surrendering your life to Jesus, becoming a slave of Christ and how incredible our master Jesus is and all that he's done for you when he died on the cross for you. I'd love to do that. I'd love to pray for you. And I'm going to be here after we've done the water baptisms. I'll, I'll come to the stage here and I'll be here for a bit. If that, if that's something that you would like to find out more about. If God has touched you, don't leave here without taking that next step of finding out about Jesus. And I'd love to do that. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for all that Jesus has done for us. We thank you that you've served us and you've brought us into your family. We are your sons and your daughters. And you've called us to be bonded with Jesus, our older brother, our friend, our bridegroom king. And Lord, I pray for PCC. I pray for every uh, member of our church that, Lord, we would get this, what it means to find freedom in Jesus, freedom in being a slave of Christ. That we would not shrink back from calling ourselves this, but we would delight in it, Father, because it says something about who you are as our Master, as our Lord, as our Savior, and something about who we are, and that it is our delight to serve you out of love. Father, will you do a powerful work in our hearts? Will you strip us away of all uh, all foreign gods, all idols, all things that have captivated our heart and bring us back to a wholehearted devotion to you. And I pray now, Lord, that as we move into our time of water baptism, that you would touch and bless and, Lord, that you will minister your love and grace to every individual, that this would be a powerful moment in their lives and for us, Lord, to be encouraged as we hear their stories. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Parramatta Christian Church podcast. To hear other sermons or to find out more about our church, please visit our website at pcc.org.au.